Hey y'all, it's Hunter with the Dropouts Podcast, and I'm very excited to bring you drop number five. JT and myself had the opportunity to talk with Chris Marler from the Saturday Down South Podcast about some SEC football for 2019. Really cool interview, really fun guy. We had a blast doing it, and we really appreciate his time. And uh, this is a great lead-in for the 2019 college football season. Week zero coming right up on Saturday the 24th. We are uh, very excited, and we are very appreciative to Chris Marler and his time. We had a lot of fun doing it. We hope you have fun listening to it. Thank you. Hey, guys, it's the Dropouts Podcast. I am Hunter, and I got JT on the other line with me. And tonight we have a very special guest, one of my favorite hosts of one of my favorite podcasts from Saturday Down South, Saturday Down South Mr. Chris Marler. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are y'all? We are fantastic. Glad to have great. you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. I saw your list of of people that you wanted to have on the podcast the most and it was me and laura rutledge and a bunch of other people that are way more successful than me so well uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here you're the only one thus far that has responded <laughs> but i gotta be honest with you when you did and this is how he responded folks he said guys did you mean to put me on this list <laughs> yeah i, I mean I, and i, I don't want to I, I want you guys to shoot your shot and i love what you guys are doing and, and i've listened to the pod before but um you know, don't don't be surprised if I'm the only one that gets back in touch with oh, you right hey. away. And like you said, we're shooting our shot. The worst they can say is no or nothing at all. At least Laura Rutledge That's... liked it. We got yeah, that. she did. That's how I saw the notification. Yeah, so we got that. Yeah, and I kind I kind of got excited about that. Well, hey, I'm, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show seriously because you you guys not to you know just dote you here, but you guys are one of the best. No, you are the best college football podcast out there without question. So super glad to have you on the show. So without further ado, let's get into some football talk. Alabama is the clear number one in the West. Georgia clear number two in the East. My question to you is, and we've we've asked Mike Johnson from the um, Alabama. He played in 2009. I'm sure you're familiar with him, offensive lineman. uh, Some of of these questions. So we're interested to get your take. Who is the clear number two in the West and the clear number two in the East? And is there a clear one? Who's coming in at number two? So in the East, I don't, I don't know if there is a clear number two in the East um, this year because I think it's, you know, it's it's weird. I don't want to say it's as tough as the West, um, but you know that whole that whole argument from a couple of years ago where you have the SEC West is the most difficult and tough, uh, and, and there's enough parity. I feel like um, in terms of all the divisions in college football, where it was it was you know it had that distinction hands down. And the East was kind of like the afterthought when you had people like Tennessee and Florida down. I, I think they're getting closer to being kind of equal with SC West for sure. But this year, the SC West, the clear-cut number two is LSU. I don't think that's really in question. You have teams that are, I think, are talented enough maybe from on the defensive side of the ball, like with Auburn. Um, and you have teams that are coming in with a lot of hype, like, like Texas A&M. But I, I don't know with the schedules that they're going to be, or even with the talent, that they're going to be as good as, as a team like LSU will be. In the East, everyone wants to jump and say it's Florida. 
like right off the bat. And yeah, and I'm not saying this because you guys are are Georgia fans or because um, I've had numerous run-ins with Florida Twitter this offseason. Oh, but I've been keeping I, track of that. <laughs> I will say, uh, I, you know, I, I don't dislike Florida at all. I, I do think they're a little bit premature as to, you know, I, th- I think they got success a little bit earlier than they were right than they were ready. Um, for it, and I think Mizzou is the is the number two team in the uh, the East this year. You know what's funny? If you would ask me this question, Chris, I'd have answered it the exact same way. I think LSU is the clear number two in the West. There's no question. I would say A and M maybe for an argument's sake, but just given their schedule, I just yeah they're going to be lucky to come out nine and three. I think. I, I think well, they're, they're, I don't think yeah I don't think they'll come out nine and three. I, honestly, I think Auburn's probably the third most talented team in the West with, with what you have cons- considering what they have coming back. Right. A and M, man, like people, people don't realize this, and I've I've said this before, is they they lost a lot of talent. And when you have guys like when you have a tight end that has almost a thousand yards receiving in a year, I mean, you think about that, like that's that's a lot of that's a lot of production. That's right. a lot of production from the tight end position. Where now you're having to replace that, and you get this kid Baylor Cup, who's supposed to be one of the top tight ends, if not the top tight end in the country. He and he's now out for the season. But more importantly, you're replacing a running back who is one of the most productive running backs we've had in the SEC mm. in the last 10 years that no one talks about, but Travion Williams, Travion Williams he's yeah. gone. So I, I just think that before you even get into the schedule talk, they have so many obstacles and uphill battles they got to climb. And I agree with you on Mizzou, too. I think Missouri, Missouri is a very dangerous team in the East. I, I see no reason as to why they would not be 8-0 coming into the Georgia game when they head to Sanford. I think Kelly right. Bryant is going to thrive in Derek Dooley's system. And I, I'm just yeah. I'm excited to see what Missouri's going to do. I don't think there's been enough talk about Missouri. There's been just, and this is not me being a, a homer, but there's just too much about Florida right now. I think yeah. it's crazy. I think it's absolutely crazy that people are not giving Mizzou the kind of credit. Yeah, I mean they're they're they're, they're sleeping on them, and, yeah. and that's that's scary. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it a weird sentence to say? First off, <laughs> when you say uh, <laughs> he says. I think Kelly Bryant is going to thrive in Derek Dooley's system. Like, what an odd – like, what, where are we living right I'm now? I'm having to check. Yeah, see, what dimension am I in right now? Because Kelly right. – hey, i, I got to be honest. When he, when he picked Mizzou the first – I was like, wow, really? Of all the well, suitors that he had, Missouri. Yeah. I, I, I know we've, and we've talked a little bit, and I've, I've said this before. And, uh, you know, like I, my best friend is from, is from Mizzou. He's from St. Charles, Missouri, and, and I've spent – you know, at least almost one game a year going to a, a Mizzou game. Um, and they're they're a great, passionate fan base. And, and I think they get crapped on a lot with the SEC because, you know, like their first year in the SEC oh, was not good. Yeah. They did have their top six offensive linemen out. Like they had they had a whole starting offensive <laughs> line out when they first came in. But they, they've done they've done really well um, and I think really held their own. And, and you and you guys are Georgia fans, so you get this. Like it's, it's frustrating for me to see people talk trash about Mizzou when you're like, hold on. Now I know they haven't beat Georgia since 2013, but when you have when you when you beat Florida by three touchdowns, yeah. and you beat Tennessee 50 to 17 two years in a row, like mm-hmm. that 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 deserves some respect. And so like, when I see a Tennessee fan, I know we're off topic here. This is obviously my fault. No, that's fine. But like when I see when I see a Tennessee fan on, on Twitter, is like talking <laughs> trash, like. They see, I mean, Mizzou don't even belong in the SEC. I, like, yeah. dude, they put, almost put you all out of the SEC. Hey, the I think they beat Georgia like their first or second year in the SEC and then went to the SEC championship twice in a row, which was yeah. more than a lot of SEC East teams could say at the time. So right. I, I've, I've been a proponent for Missouri just fine. I actually kind of like – I love Barry Odom. I think he's getting yeah. more and more confident as a coach. And I think this 
this year with these ridiculous sanctions that's on them right now, which I hope gets oh overturned. Yeah, that's a whole nother deal. Well, and we don't. I don't want to turn this into a totally pro Mizzou thing. No, that's but I think what's most impressive. The most impressive thing of it that I've seen in the offseason this entire year uh, in the SEC is you look at you look at the fourteen teams in the SEC, and only one of them is currently under sanctions for having a bowl ban in the SEC, and that's that's Mizzou. And they're the only school that hasn't had a single player enter the transfer Zero portal transfer. in in the offseason. Right. So. And no one's really talking about that, which is yeah. insane. All right, so I got to ask you this because we asked Mike Johnson from Alabama this same question, and I won't tell you his answer till you answer. How close <laughs> is UGA to getting Bama? You you want to hear my my full fledged the sky is falling answer? Yes, full fledged. So I, I think Bama wins this year. I, I don't I don't see it happening this year, and it's it's because the chip on the shoulder. When you just look at pure stats, when you look yes. at like I think Georgia is. is uh, you know, Georgia, Florida fans will love to sit here and be like, well, y'all ain't won it since 1980. like, you know what, guys? You might want to hold off on that argument because that is coming to an end real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they get him this year mm-hmm. because just looking at the stats, I mean, Saban in four of the past five times that he has come off a loss uh, in the postseason, he's won the national championship. And it's hard. It's hard to get there. And as you saw last year, I think that's, one of the most dominant teams I've ever seen Bama have. Yep. And, and they were 14 0 going to the national championship. And even though I said Clemson was going to win that game throughout the whole year, it's I was surprised they won it the way they did. Yeah. You know, you and me both. Yeah. yeah. That was that was awful. But I mean, when you look at Georgia, I, I didn't expect them to, to do what they did to Bama in twenty seventeen. And I didn't expect them to do what they did, especially last year with Tua. Yeah. And and really, you know, Fran has played I, I've said this before in the offseason, and I think I said it earlier like a couple months ago. Jake Fromm is two and a half minutes combined from being a Tebow type legend in the SEC, and I mean that. Like he's he's a great kid. You got to pull for him. I don't think I don't think this is the year they get him. And the reason why is I think they're too young in certain positions. Like I, you know, the receiver position has been brought up a lot. I don't think that's gonna be a problem. I I think Pickens will be. I think I honestly think Pickens will be a first or second team All SEC player by the end of the year, oh, cool. just because he'll be the go to guy. That defensive front seven, though, they are going to be so talented. They're going to be so talented. They're going to be so young. Right. And I, I think that next year, when Bama doesn't return four of the best receivers in the country, when they don't return the best quarterback they've ever had in program history, and yeah, I think the defense is going to be better than it was a year ago for Bama, and the offensive line is too. I think this is the last year of, of the Bama dynasty. Oh, wow. That is, yeah. that is bold for a Bama diehard to say. Yeah. And I usually yeah. I'm pretty rational and, and reasonable. I feel like yeah. I'm not like panicking. No. So yeah. I, just, I think that's I, what's going to happen. If you are panicking, it's disguised extraordinarily well. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, JT, JT had a good question for you too. Go ahead. Uh, this is a, and it's, it's kind of a broad question. Because, um, you know, we do have 14 teams in the SEC. Um, in your opinion, who – out of those 14 teams, you know, we've got from and uh, Swift, you know, for Georgia, uh, Jerry Judy, Tua for Alabama, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these big names. Who is someone in the SEC that you think is going to have a under the radar breakout season? Uh, Jerry Garantano in Tennessee. Ooh. Yeah, oh, I, wow. I've been I've been very high on Garrett. So here's the thing: Felipe Franks will get a lot of love, and 
I don't want this to turn into like a Florida bashing thing. It's just, it's just that like, you know, he, he had 31 touchdowns and six, six interceptions last year and, and it's 27 passing touchdowns. But when you look at what he did in conference, Felipe Franks only had 10 touchdowns in conference games. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's alarming to me. You know what I mean? Like to have a, a split of 10 and five for touchdowns, INT ratio is a lot different than 27 and six. And when you look at like, I mean, you're only, you're playing eight conference games Instead of, you know, the four non-conference games. So I, I just, Jerry Garantano is a guy that has, he's such a gamer and he's got talent around him. He has just been, that offensive line has just been Swiss line. cheese. For, yeah. like, to, like, I mean, I, have you ever watched, like, listen, I'm a Bama fan. I don't really feel bad for Tennessee fans because I had to grow up during the damn Manning years. <laughs> but is there, is there a time you watch, you watch a game, especially if you're rival and you're like, God dang. I feel so bad for that kid because he's just getting pummeled out there, yeah, and, and it's just yeah. it's it's tough to watch. I I think that he is a guy that if you look at his numbers, like if you really really look at his numbers, his QBR, what he was able to do, and, and Pro Football Focus does a great job with some of these stats that are, I mean, hell, I, I don't know where they get them from, but it's I like it's they're really in depth, <laughs> like 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 the big time throws. I don't know what the hell that means, but yeah, sure, he's big in that. His, his QBR, it was. It was actually second in the SEC ahead of Fromm's in some in some categories. And it's he's a he's a kid that I think is he's an elite eleven kid coming out of high school. I think with the two additions, you know, Wanya Morris and the other kid on the offensive line. And if man, if Trey Smith, if he can just stay healthy on that offensive right. line, they'll go yeah. from having one of the worst offensive lines in the country to maybe one of the best in their own division. And I think that's a big step. I, and I think the, the people he has around him are, are really talented as well. Yeah, and I think he's got a good formula because, if I'm not mistaken, Tennessee is the first in the conference in returning offensive production. Is that right? They are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very and, good so point. Got, so they're second overall in the country. Yeah, and you got Marquez Callaway, who's a big-time receiver. You got Juwan Jennings, who I still have nightmares about with that Hail Mary pass in 2016. Oh, we had the entire the yeah. entire Georgia bench in the end zone, and he's the one Tennessee player there, and somehow he high points his ball. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, our tallest man went my our tallest man went to the back. So No, he went well, down the tie yeah. his shoe. Yeah, I don't know Lorenzo what he did. Carter, I don't know what Lorenzo Carter was doing back He was there, tying but... a shoe. He forgot it was an end zone play. <laughs> and and, and to, to your point, the Tennessee thing, returning that all that production, it's actually second most, I think. I, I was wrong. It's second most in the in the country in offense and I, but i still okay. think that's you know and you saw it with kirby and and i don't think that Pruitt's necessarily how good he's not as good as kirby and i don't think tennessee has the talent that georgia has but you look for you know look at the blueprint for what saban had and, and right. when i say blueprint I, I mean it because kirby is a is a you know he's off that saving coaching tree and so is pruitt and and you know you remember year one under kirby when it was like why the hell did we fire ricks man we lost we lost y'all got like four or five rivals y'all lost every single one we of almost them. lost a nickel state that year that also yeah. happened that yeah. all, I, I won a lot of money on them covering that spread i'll tell you that 22 to but 20. No, it's like yeah it was something it's like but it was you know you know you make the most progress in year two and right. bama you know they were seven and six lost louisiana monroe saving's first year and mm. you talk about the struggles kirby had but when you look at year two you know both of them at one point right number one in the country that's not going to happen for tennessee but they are going to have a big jump and a, and a lot of improvement that, that they than they had last year yeah all right, so, so they I, have eleven. They have eleven offensive returners. Eleven. Well, you, you know what the the thing too that and Pruitt brought this up at uh, at media days, and I don't think he got enough publicity was when they when he first got to or he, he brought up how fat, like not fat. He brought up how big the offensive line is. He was like, <laughs> we have fifteen offensive linemen that are over three hundred pounds, which if that doesn't tell you Philip Fulmer still has his hand on that program. You're out of your mind. 
yeah. of them being able to gain weight. But no, he, he brought up, he's like, you know, we have 15 offensive linemen over 300 pounds. When they first, when he first got there, they had two. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. No. All right, so here's a non-SEC question for you, Chris, and, and, and this is just something that's intriguing me. Um, and real quick, <laughs> who is challenging Clemson in the ACC in next, this year, the next, or even the year after? Uh, short uh. of maybe Florida State, but if you look at the ACC, it's very underwhelming. And there's just no yes. one. If you look top to bottom, Clemson is light years ahead of everyone. So who yeah. who challenges this team in any foreseeable future? I I man, the tough. The, I mean, the answer honestly is nobody. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, to be honest, it just the thing. It, it, Dabo is he's become one of the most unlikable people. I've never been a huge Dabo fan in general. Really? Um, yeah, I just you know, I, I just. I'll just never forget the video of his brother when they got pulled over by the cops like years ago and his brother screaming at the officer, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? And then Dabo not like backing him down like, man, I get it. You're you know, whole golly gee, gee whiz, yeah. shucks, like, cool. That's awesome. And it's obviously worked wonders with his programming. And Clemson has become, the Sleeping Giant has become just like a, an absolute dominant power. Yeah. But you remember how frustrating it was to watch, you know, I love this dude to death, but it was so frustrating to watch Danny Cannell and the Florida State Seminoles in the 90s, uh, yeah. you know, finish in the top five every year because you're like, hold on, man. I know my team is playing Florida or Tennessee with, with Peyton Manning. Or they got, you know, they got Auburn in one of those streaky years where Auburn's really tough and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And then I got to watch this 330 game on ABC and it's Florida State on a road game at, at Wake Forest. And you're like, who the hell cares? Like, that's that's not, exactly right. There's something to be said for – the SEC not having as many ranked teams or whatever. But, I mean, listen, Syracuse has, has, has challenged Clemson more than – including Bama, more than any other team in the country the past two years. You're correct. And that's a scary thought. I know. Because, because yeah. Syracuse is not going to get any – like, Syracuse might improve as a, as a program under Dino Babbers. The, the pe- recruits aren't flocking to Syracuse, New York, and, and, they, yeah. and they're not going to it anytime soon. And and maybe there's a more parity that I'm giving them credit for, and I, I love what, what Jeff Collins is going to be doing at Georgia Tech. But you know, the only the only people that are going to challenge him in the, in the near future is Florida State, maybe Miami. And think about how far back they are That's on those saying. teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, it, there's been a lot of ground that Willie Taggart, if he can get it figured out, he's doing pretty good on the recruiting trail relative to how they were doing. Yeah. So you know what I mean. I don't. I don't mean that as as a stab at the Seminoles here, but it's just it is what it is. That's good. A stab like a spear. That's good. That's yeah. Good, you see that? Good wordplay there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're running out of time. But hey, I want to get. No, you no. Some, we, uh, we we can keep going. I got okay. I got about two more minutes. Okay. Great. I want to ask you this. I, I already know who I who I think is going to win the the Heisman. I think it's Tua. I, I just don't think it's any. I mean, it's obviously be between him and Trevor Lawrence probably, but I think Tua gets it done. Who do you got? Man, I, I, hate, I hate this question. I know yeah, it's, it's super it's, uh, early. Um, you know, you know who I think it could be, and I, uh, Justin Fields is a guy you want to look at, and, and he could he could have a big year. Um, oh, come on, Chris, come on. I know, I know, <laughs> hey. I know. Um, it is what it and, is. And, well, just just hear me out of this. Hear me out. So my preseason prediction last year was Khalil Tate at Arizona, and I still think he could be a really good potential Heisman guy. Mm-hmm. Um. I think when you look at a guy like Justin Herbert from from Oregon, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's going to be a Pac-12 team in the in the college football playoff this year. Um, and I, I think that they're they're doing a lot for that whole conference of trying to just 
trying to force the rest of America to watch them. I think Utah like would be a sleeper. There's 9 a.m. kickoffs and all that kind of stuff. And, like, more power to you. I, I think you could have somebody like that that puts up a lot of numbers. But you think about this, man. What, like, Justin or Trevor Lawrence and Tua, if Tua couldn't win last year, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> I don't a fair know point. Win it this year. That's actually a you fair point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, and he was the front runner for the whole. The, the high city has become such a. What have you done for me lately? I am caught up and prisoner of the moment. Yeah. You like you, Tua Tungavailoa had the entire country like in the palm of his hand, and not just like up until November when he played you know tough defenses. He had a tough game against Mississippi State, sure. The following week against against Auburn, he put up like five touchdowns. Hmm. People saw what happened in the in the SEC championship game against Georgia, and then all of a sudden. The media they wrote him off. Kyler Murray. And yes, they like, wrote him off. Yeah, it, it is. It's and it is. It, that's the thing is that they wrote him off. You know who I think could really do could win the Heisman this year, and especially if they can beat Bama, is Jake Fromm. Yeah, yeah. the reason I kind of have, and he's in my brain, and I think he's an obvious candidate at this point in the season. I just I'm afraid of, not afraid, but everybody knows Georgia's bread and butter is run, run, run. You know, we have such a stable of running backs. You know, that's going to be what we do until he has to throw. But I do think James Tolley's going to bring some new elements to it. Does he air it out any more than what we did with Jim Chaney? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But uh, right. he's he's certainly someone that's going to be in the conversation. Him and DeAndre yeah. Swift, I believe. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, who really honestly should. And this is this is this should not be a, a, a sleeper pick. And somehow it is. But – the kid, the kid, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, yep, running back, who's put up like two of the most ridiculous seasons imaginable <laughs> in college football, and no one like you can you like can you imagine a running back putting up over two thousand yards like five years ago and people being like, oh, what happened? Like, like, like they just we don't even know about it because yeah. they're not. It's 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 not just a prison moment thing. It's like, is this team going to compete for a national championship? That shouldn't be what it's about. Like. Who's the best team? Who's the best player right, in right. the country? Not who's the best player on the best team. And that's how it's always phrased. Who's the best player on the best team? That's that's right. the parameters that set for the Heisman. And I, I agree with you. I don't think it should be the best team because you've got a guy like you said, Jonathan Taylor, putting up ridiculous video game numbers, and no one's batting an eye. And, and when you and that's that's a, a problem more than anything is that no one's batting an eye because we just live in such a. a I'm going to get on this soapbox, but anybody, we live in such a. Like <laughs> <Yep> a on <laughs> Thank you. We live in such like a. You know, an instant gratification, like heavy society of like everyone just wants to be like the next big thing, and you sh- like that. Okay, I've already seen this happen before. That is, we had think about what who was a third, who finished third in the Heisman last year. Do y'all remember? Uh, no. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne yeah. Haskins had over 50 touchdowns and almost 5,000 yards passing. That is a ridiculous stat, and no one even knew about it. You know, we no, you, just because, throw, you, you just don't go out there and throw 50 touchdowns. No. No, you don't. And I tell you, you definitely don't do it at Alabama, which is – I don't understand how Tua had that many. But, but I mean, it, the whole thing was – it was crazy. And, and so, yeah, you don't even hear about a guy like like the kid at Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor. But I tell you what, man, I, I just think that nowadays it, when, you, when, you, when you make the award something like this and you start having these – this isn't the same as polls, okay? But when you have these preseason people like – Talking about like this, this is the front runner for the Heisman. You start, you start naming the Heisman in September, like Saquon did a couple of years ago, and what you end up having happen is you have generational type guys who are left kind of behind, and which I think is cheating college football fans, like in the future of like of really 
a, a great part of history. Cause like, you know, I, I grew up in the era of like, you know, Ron Dane, who I didn't like, but when you have, the, you have the guy like, yeah, Eddie George or, or the kid, um, God, I'm, I'm escaping his name right now. Who was a running back from Colorado in 94? Um, oh shoot. Rashawn Salam. And you have these guys yeah. that put up these like 2000 yard seasons and, and really they make history. We're cheated from that because what you end up having happen is guys like Troy Smith, who is at Ohio state and they're ranked number one mm-hmm. in the country at the moment. So they should win the Heisman instead of a guy like Darren McFadden, who does everything for his team, but they're eight and four. That's it. Just I think it really cheapens the award and it hurts wow. the game more than anything. Yeah, well said. And that's that's an interesting point of view. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That is very. Interesting. I'll get off the soapbox. No, man. Stay no, you're right. <laughs> I got to give you some props too, by the way, because uh, and this I just saw this in my notes for whatever reason. I want to say it before we get past it. Uh, Daniel Jones. Whenever the NFL draft was around at the beginning of the year. <laughs> including myself, was so critical of that number six pick in the first round, and then here he is in the preseason proving everybody wrong, except for the what Giants. What did I tell you, Hunter? What did I tell you, did you, did you say it too? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm telling you that, yeah. like, the only reason I ever saw – like, what pissed me off is the people that had never watched the Duke game. If you watched the Duke game and you didn't like something he did, fine. Everyone's a critic, totally cool. I've, I've been there too, and, and I get it. But, like – as somebody that's a degenerate gambler, I watched these <laughs> games last year, and I saw Daniel Jones. And I was like, "This kid throws a pretty good ball." Well, yeah, yeah. Honesty compels me to admit I did not agree with you at the time when you said that. You know, with your co-host Connor O'Gara, I was on hit Connor's side. Now I gotta say, <laughs> I don't well, like that. I gotta give credit where credit is due, and I will never do that again. I am forever on Chris Marler's side now. I, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate. It. There's, there's still there's still time. Yeah, for that to be, that I know cool, it's early. I, but, I appreciate that. Yeah, but I, I had to give you props there because I, I've been watching and I was like, oh, wow, okay. He's uh, he's doing actually really well. As long as he doesn't make that same face Eli does, we're good. I think he's yeah, pra- yeah, he's been yeah. practicing that on the sideline too, though. <laughs> you know, making sure that happens. All right, I'm going to throw you out some quick picks here. Uh, I know you like the game. Yep. Well, I'm not going to give any lines or anything uh, because I know they're going to change, especially those in week three and four. All right, so let's start with week zero. Chris, UF and Miami, who do you got winning? I got Miami winning. I like the best play is the under. It's it, the under is at forty seven and a half right now. Okay, it's moved down from fifty and a half, which is obviously a sign. But listen, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the lines and why you want to do it is this: when you look at when you look at gambling lines, you want to stay away from the public. Sure. But where you want to go is where the money is. And and if you look at these, if you look it up on Action Network, it's a great tool that I always use. Um, if you look at them right now, I think fifty five percent of the overall money is on Florida. To or I'm sorry, overall bets is right. on Florida. 67% of the money is on Florida to cover. So that's that's a sign in and of itself. But when you look at the over-under, I think it's like 66% of the money or 50-something percent like that is, is – no, sorry, 66% of the money is – or the bets. Wow. The bet, <laughs> 66% of the bets is on the under. But 81% of the overall money is on the under. Wow. That's a massive teller right there. Of like, yeah. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I tell you what, man, when you play Miami and Florida, like – it's going to be chippy. It's going to be dirty. Oh, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be fun to watch. But yeah. it's going to be, this isn't Miami and Florida of the past. You know no. what I mean? Like this, this is going to be a low-scoring like slugfest. Right. Well, I, so. I, I agree with you. All right. So here's a week one: South Carolina, North Carolina. I mean, why this isn't an annual game, I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's weird. I, but South Carolina, I'm going to take Carolina. That this is a team that I think could be a lot like A and M, where mm-hmm. they're going to be improved maybe after year one, mm-hmm. but I don't know if anyone's going to see it because <laughs> the schedule is so damn difficult. And I said this earlier in the week on radio in Charlotte, this is 
this is the toughest. I mean, this might be the toughest opener in the country for teams because there's not a lot of leeway on that schedule for, for South Carolina. No. So I think they have to win. I think they do win. I think they win by at least 10 to 14. I think they cover the spread with just seven right now. I agree with you. Yeah, their, their schedule their schedule is ridiculous this yeah. year. It's, it's, yeah. it's And A&M's is just the same. Except A&M's, I would argue, is a little bit more difficult. Because I agree. In the West. Uh, another week one, yeah. Oregon and Auburn. Man, <laughs> that is – I hate this. I hate picking this game because my fiance is an Oregon State grad. And uh, oh. I don't ever want to ever compliment Auburn as a Bama fan. But um, I like uh, – I want to say Auburn. They're starting a true freshman at – they're starting a true freshman at, uh, at quarterback. And – Oregon is going to be just the opposite. And I tell you what, we, we always think of ourselves as like the big, you know, bow your chest or bow your neck, like, and puff out your chest, I guess. Like, right. we're tough in the SEC. Oregon has one of the best offensive lines in the country behind Georgia. Yes. And mm-hmm. they are they actually return the most, um, the most returning production out of any team in the country overall. I didn't know that. So the fact that the line hasn't moved, I'm going to take Oregon because I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's going to get down to about three and a half. And from the three, and you take that hook, mm-hmm. I'm taking Oregon to cover, somehow Auburn to win outright. Well, well that's going to be interesting. Auburn's defensive line versus that offensive line be a good early test. Here's a week it's going to be fun two. to watch, man. Oh, it is. And here's another one that I'm really excited about, LSU at Texas. This is, this is, this is free money, y'all. Yeah. This is free money. <laughs> like, I don't what the hell? Like, I don't understand. If everyone got, like, just wrapped up in, in, in the Sugar Bowl from last year, yes, I guess exactly thank you, Georgia. That are not showing up because now we all get to make money. Like this is stupid. This this line has moved from. I'm, I'm now I'm all heated. So as my goal, I wanted to get you flustered and I got it. <laughs> I mean the line the line opened up at LSU minus two. It is now favored in Texas's favor at Texas minus one. Now listen, I was out in Vegas for my bachelor party at the start of the month and I saw it still out there when LSU was favored and now the fact it shifted all the way down to to Texas, Texas. being favored because they're at home. There is not a more overrated team in the country this year than Texas. And it, listen, we talked about this with Bayer from game day on, on the SS pod this week when it comes out tomorrow. And, and he brought up, he's like, listen, there's two teams in the country. We have a tendency to do this as college football fans. Going into this season, people are super high on Texas and super high on Florida. Yep. And you look at who they bring back and, and you know, Texas had four wins last year of, of seven points or less. Like that doesn't, that usually doesn't happen no. the next year. Um, usually teams like that, that they come down a little bit from where they, where they were the year before. I don't, I don't see them beating LSU. I think LSU is one of the better teams in the country. Yep. And just, you know, Ed Orgeron, who's just the defender of everything I love in this country, just an indestructible human being. My I think he goes, he goes into Texas. I think, they, I think they beat him by at least a touchdown. And I mean, they, listen, Texas is, is a great high school football state. Yes. The, the the state of Texas is not anywhere close to the SEC besides AM when it comes to college football. And and they are gonna get embarrassed at home. Yeah, I was about to say I think it's gonna be greater deficit than a touchdown. I'm I'm I yeah. would even go to say maybe even seventeen points to you know, LSU favor. That was good. That was um, real good. Yeah. I got uh <laughs> I got Bama on upset alert in week three, Chris, against South Carolina. We get a repeat <laughs> Hey, I, I'm not trying to dig you, but <laughs> no, that's fine. I, mean, I, I, I get it. I, I, listen, I, I, my sister goes to South Carolina. My mom and family lives in Columbia. And yeah, 
it's a, it's a great Williams Bryce is, is a lot of fun. It's hot as hell, but it is a lot of fun. And, um, I'll be there. It should be a great. Oh weekend. yeah. You going? But, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually, we're going to be doing a, we're going to be going up there. Um, I, yeah, we had a big weekend plan. I can't release all the details yet, but it's going to be a lot sure. of fun. And then, um, I just, I, <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think no, that no. Carolina's going uh, to, that was a complete joke. On and oh, okay, here, here's, okay. yeah, yeah, no, I really don't. In fact, I don't think Bama's on, on, on upset alert at all, except maybe LSU. Um, yeah. Our best, one of our very good friends, actually, his dad just became the president of uh, USC, U, U of SC. He is oh, nice. There. Yep, so shout out to uh, Rob Caslin. All right, so here's the last pick yeah. for you. Notre Dame at UGA week four. Man, I tell you, listen, I we're killing him. We're killing him, Hunter. I no, no. I I, I grew up. Y'all, y'all know, y'all know, like a lot about me for the most part. I I grew up in Atlanta. Yeah. So I grew up in Georgia. I went to Catholic school growing up because I grew up in some mountain. My mom was worried about me getting beat up. I feel so like I, I went to Notre Catholic Dame school. Here. I hate Notre Dame. I hate. <laughs> I hate you. Notre Dame. And and I tell you what, that line's come down, or it's actually no, it's gone up from nine and a half to eleven and a half. Right. It's nowhere close. Like, listen, I've I've been to games. I was the blackout game in two thousand eight, and that's different than this. Right. There is <laughs> Notre Dame has not seen, and I don't know if I have seen an environment that's going to be that blank and rowdy as when you get Georgia fans an entire day. I know. <laughs> start drinking in Athens and get right. Yeah. Like who? I don't know who scheduled that, but man, what a I, nightmare Notre Dame. We're going to be in Athens there. We're going to try to do a live podcast there to catch some of the shenanigans. Oh, hell so, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to try to, you know, meet some folks and uh, it was going to be interesting to say the least. Um, I'll tell you and, what, brother, it ain't nothing finer in the land no. than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia, Georgia fan. fan. That's right. And despite being a Georgia fan, I do not want to knock you out through the radio. <laughs> I, actually, I appreciate that, man. I heard, I listened to that interview simply because of what you put on Twitter. If you, yeah, for those of you that's listening, it was an interview Mr. Marler did on one or two point five Charlotte. Is that right? It was a yeah, yeah. Show, so go check that out because of Georgia I, I earned that one. That was. That, I apologize afterwards before any of that <laughs> stuff happened on Twitter. I was like, I, I was like, I cannot believe I just was that douchebag Bama fan that laughed and scoffed at that. He was like, it's okay. And I was like, no, like. I, I don't think that it was whatever, but it, the comeback was legit. It was, was funny. Good. No, it was okay. it was pretty darn funny. Um, yeah, man. Hey, we really appreciate your time. We'll let you go. We've kept you a little long. Um, you're fine, you're, man. If you're ever down south, we're down here about an hour and a half away from Jacksonville, and you want to uh, have some company with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, hit us up, and we'll be glad to go with you. Show you a good time down there, man. You know. I appreciate it, guys. I, like you guys keep up the, the great work on the podcast, all kind of stuff, and and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you throughout the season. Yeah, man. Hey, tell everybody uh, where they can find you on the internet, Chris. Oh yeah, so it's uh, Saturday Down South is is the company. So you can find me personally uh, on Twitter at Vern Funquist. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it gets a little confusing. What, a, they, what a name, Vern Funquist! <laughs> I just can't believe it wasn't taken. So yeah, Vern Funquist <laughs> on uh on Twitter, and then um, like I said, Saturday Down South, the SCS podcast, all that good stuff on on the rest of social media. All right, man. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. Huge fans, we love what you're doing at Saturday Down South. We really appreciate it. We, uh, All right, yes, I, we, we appreciate it too. And go follow my 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 son, Queso the Corgi, T H A the Corgi on Instagram. Queso, give me a look, so I got to give him a shout out. It's Queso Cordovaloa, <laughs> is that right? That's right, that's right, man. That's, that's <laughs> it. No, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good day. All right, buddy. Thank, Thank you so you much. Real. Thank appreciate you, man. It, man.
Huge thank you to Chris Marler from the Saturday Down South podcast for spending some time with us. Great interview. We had a lot of fun doing it. Like I said, he's a blast. Really fun guy. Really insightful. Love his take and his opinion on the Heisman Trophy race. Hey, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Quick reminder, find us on Twitter. Follow us. Really active there. Like our Facebook page. We're on Instagram as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels on your wherever you find your podcast, be it uh, Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. Just find us, subscribe so you can see when we release new content like this great interview, again, with Chris Marler from Saturday Down South. Check their podcast out. Really great podcast with, uh, with him and his co-host, Connor O'Gara. Super insightful, super funny. We really appreciate you guys tuning in to us. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing you episode 8, which will be out very shortly after this. And then, of course, episode 9, where we continue our Good, the Bad, the Ugly series prior to week 1, starting August 31st. Can't wait to see it. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Love and light. God bless. Go dogs. Mm-hmm.